Mesut Özil. Marca Mesut Özil. Corner. Llegó el gol de Olivier Giroud. Marca el Arsenal. Marca Olivier Giroud. Gol de los Gunners. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. Well, what are we what are we doing here, Andrew? What's going on? Um I, I don't quite know. I mean, do you do you mean in general? Do you mean with the world between the two of us? <laughs> I, I don't quite know. There have been some questions, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's, it, well, it's not been a great couple of weeks for me personally. I mean, that won't surprise you. But oh, what's happened what now? Lost, nothing, to be honest, incredibly, nothing specific. It's just, you know, the, the, the climate of the world feels a little unpleasant, and I'm not just talking about the turn in the weather and the dark early mm. nights, but also an interlar, as yeah. if to rub salt into the wounds. We really of, could have done the globe. with yeah. We could have done with the distraction of of football um, this last week. That's that's for sure. That is for sure. Yeah. I distracted oh, myself goodness. yesterday by going. Uh, I went to the cinema. Um, ah, did you go and see the Amy Adams film? I certainly did. Uh, Arrival and um, is it is it really good? I've heard it's great. Yeah, it's really really quite a beautiful movie, and um, and that might me might make me sound a bit. I don't know. It just connected with me on a very mo emotional level, um, mm. probably because of the week that's been going on, and and just this, it's it's just fantastic. I can't recommend it highly enough. I think uh, if you haven't already uh, seen it, go and see it. It's just a, a really really great movie, um, and I, you know I I was there beforehand. Uh, it was a bit difficult. I'll explain to you why it was a bit difficult. We got go into on. the cinema. Sat down. Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock or 20 past 2 showing. Person or two people came in and sat behind and, and they got a plastic bag of something. I don't know what it was, but they spent about five minutes rustling through this, through this plastic bag. Um, oh and I'm not, I'm, I, I, I kind of hate the cinema because of the noises and the people and you can hear them eating and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but this was before the film. Then there was uh, three people came in, a girl and two guys, and this uh, they sat directly behind us, and one of the guys decided that he would give a running commentary of all the ads that were playing, and he would explain in great detail about why the ad was terrible and how much he disliked the ad. It was really important, obviously, that uh, everybody knew what he thought of ads that we're playing. Yeah, that's good. I mean, the nice thing about that is it means that you don't have to have your own opinion. Do you know what I mean? You exactly. don't have to make your own mind up. He can just tell you. Yes, exactly. Uh, and he did so at every available opportunity. This ad is too long. This ad is, well, it's like a fake John Lewis ad, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. Then there was the woman... Um, I, I was becoming quite agitated at this point, and I, you know, I was sort of holding my head in my hands, going, "Right, just keep, just keep calm. To just, you know, the movie hasn't started. Maybe they'll just shut up when the movie starts." Which, to be fair, they did. So I was happy. I was happy for that. But there was a woman sitting to the right of us who, I think, James must have uh, found a genie in a bottle, like an actual genie. Right. Who came to her and said, uh, you have three wishes. Now, I don't know what her other two wishes were, but one of her wishes was for a fucking endless bag of crisps. 
just <laughs> endless. <laughs> it, you know, she was like rattle, 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 and the ba- it went on like it. It couldn't have been even a, a huge bag of crisps. It was going on for so long. It just never ran out. So she has this bag of, I don't know what kind of crisps, cheesy Watsits or Rancheros. Who knows what they are? Just maybe plain cheese and onion crisps. I don't know. But the bag never ran out. Never ran out. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I, I just c- continued on and on. I would say crisps yeah. Crisps are a noisier food stuff than popcorn even, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think crisps should be banned from cinemas, as should nachos and anyone who wants to eat anything should also be banned like get your fucking dinner before you go or afterwards don't sit yeah. there fucking eating in, in somebody's ear but um have you, have you ever been to one of those posh cinemas where they have like service you know where like someone like brings you like actual hot food and meals and stuff what that's that- yeah where that exists really in London, no Andrew, in, in London, the most pretentious city in the world. <laughs> Holy shit! What? So you've got a table and you can eat a meal, and you've co- you don't have a table. You have like a little sort of two-person couch or booth, right? And then you know you order things at a bar, and then a waitress like brings them over to you. But like what? Like drinks and snacks, like, but not like a not like a meal, not like uh, steak if you order Diane. Like a pizza, <laughs> they'll bring you a pizza or whatever. Now I don't think they have steak Diane, but you know it's you could probably request it. Yeah, Jesus. There's a dog barking away in the background. I can hear that. About that. Yeah, he's very. How do you feel about dogs in the cinema? Uh, I would be all right with dogs in the cinema as long as they were quiet. You know. Mm. But. Mm. What can you do? Eh? Yeah, better than noisy snacks, I have to tell you. But anyway, yeah, that was my little distraction, and that um, that was it's a very good movie. So I, I say go and see it. It'll make you feel stuff. By the way, for the rest of the podcast, I'm just going to crack into a massive bag of crisps <laughs> and just sit here eating it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I must point out, actually, I, I did a stand-up gig recently, and a guy called Jamie D'Souza, who was another act who was on the bill with me, mm. brought me... A bag of ham on ruffles. No way! All the way from yeah. Spain. Seriously, he he saw that I was on the bill with him, and he and he had been in Spain, and he brought me a, a gift of some ham on ruffles. I was so touched by it. Oh wow! I promptly sat there eating them all. Delicious. Did, did you share them with him, or was it did you ate them when you got home? I'm not an idiot. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> didn't know, didn't open them then or there. I don't want to share those with anyone. Yeah, um, I but I was fair. yeah. Very touched, so thank you, Jamie, wherever you are. Yeah. If I if I was to get an endless bag of crisps like that woman in the in the cinema yesterday, I would I think I would probably go for, for ham and ruffles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's reasonable enough. Right. Um well when you went to the cinema, mm. I actually did go to a football match. What did you go and see? I went to see England against Scotland. Oh, uh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, there was someone eating crisps all the way through, <laughs> but I... <laughs> no, I mean, look, Gav Southgate is now the messiah of English football, having mm. recorded the biggest victory over Scotland in several millennia or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I don't think an Arsenal player keeps a ball in anger, really, not even Jack Wilshere or Theo Walcott got off the bench. Yeah. So. But it was... Um, and they scored three-headed goals. That's, I don't have anything to observe about that, really. It just It's a fact. Three-headers. Uh, but I went... Yeah, three headers. I went to that. I, w- I had a quite a corporate experience. I was in Club Wembley. It's a bit like one of those posh cinemas, really. And there was a, a <laughs> half time. There was like a busker in the concourse. Oh no! Yeah, That's yeah, a like bit a like... woman, a microphone. Oh no! With a 
guy with a guitar. Oh, yeah. that's a bit like the guy when you're at a party and like someone like pulls out their acoustic guitar. Let's do Wonderwall. You're like, oh, yeah, man, yeah. It was a little bit like escape. that, and no one's listening to them. And yeah, I, I kept wondering what she was getting paid. Probably quite a lot. Yeah, I'd do it probably, but you know. I'll, I'll do anything. I, th- I think, yeah, I was just going to say that uh, over the over the course of this podcast, we've learned that uh, you will pretty much do anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was might have been the last chance to see Gordon Strachan in action as an international manager. So, well, you know, I really cashed in there. Yeah, what a what a privilege that that is. You know, something to tell your grandkids in the future. I was there when... I, was, I saw Southgate versus Strachan, the clash of the managerial titans. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, well, I didn't really see much of uh, much of what was going on this weekend in terms of the football. I did watch the last half an hour of Ireland against Austria. Yes. Um, it was on in the bar that I was in on Saturday evening. Ireland 1-0 up. James McLean scored the goal. Mm-hmm. And then I think, I think he ran off and did a big puppy-shaped shit on the side of yeah. the pitch. <laughs> but, uh, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, so he he scored and Ireland kind of hung on. And it was quite amusing to watch the uh, the Lidl Ibrahimovic, Arnautovic. He got crankier and crankier as the game went on. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And they missed an amazing chance in the last couple of seconds. Um, to to score an equaliser, Austria. This guy sort of stooped and headed it well wide um, when he probably should have scored. But a, a great win for Ireland, that. Um, and Roy Keane was on the sidelines looking decidedly mental with his big beard and his tracksuit. <laughs> I, I do wonder why. You know the way there's this tradition of... Um, you know, Arsenal Mental players... people having bids? <laughs> no. Oh, right. uh, the, the captain decides what shirt length, uh, what, what sleeves we wear, whether it's short sleeves or long sleeves, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Martin O'Neill must, must make it a, a thing that all his coaching staff have to wear tracksuits and trainers because he does, I guess. Right. He doesn't want anyone to show him up. Yeah, you can't be out there wearing a nice suit while Martin O'Neill is looking like, you know... A guy in a tracksuit and trainers. I don't know what my yes. point is here, but... Uh. Well, Roy Keane's obviously helping. I mean, Roy Keane couldn't look less smart, could he? I mean, he looks... You know, with respect, he looks like a, a homeless man who stumbled onto the side of the field and started screaming <laughs> abuse at people. Yeah, and look, there's a lot to be said for that in football. It's up there with passion and running around a bit as one of the most important things that you can do. Um, but, uh, no, a great win. Great win for Ireland. I didn't really see uh, what else happened. Uh, did Wales... Wales played. I watched Aaron Ramsey play for Wales. How did he play? Oh, uh, energetically. He ran around a lot. He looks fit, that's for sure. That's but good. They, they drew one all. Um, they took a lead through Gareth Bale, as ever, and then the pegged back late on by Serbia with uh, Mitrovic of Newcastle scored a late header and everyone looked very sad. Right. I think their qualification campaign has you know, it's hit a few problems. I think they drew with Austria as well. So, yeah. Uh, they've not exactly carried on the momentum. I'm just looking at the thing here. Ireland are, are top of the group. Ireland played four, one three, drawn one, ten points. Serbia in second on eight points. Wales then on six points. Austria uh, who I guess would have been the favourites um, yeah, for that group. Uh, 
They're on four points, Georgia, on two points, and Moldova on a single point there as well. So, um, wow, there you go. There you go. Yeah. I think Serbia are a decent side. I think Wales are a decent side. So that's a tight group, really. But Ireland mm. actually doing pretty well in yeah. the, the, the competition. Yeah. Uh, not sure exactly who they've played yet. But, yeah, so I saw Aaron Ramsey in action there. Um, what else? Should we, should, we, should we attempt an international roundup? What have people been doing? I mean, obviously... I feel like we should probably talk about what what on earth is going on with Alexis Sanchez. Usually. Yeah, we probably should. Uh, there's so much. Um, I don't know if misinformation panic, is the right fear. word. Yeah, but this is, <laughs> there is panic and there is fear, and uh, I think there's something very. You've got to read something into what Arsene Wenger said last week, don't you? That he's he's normally quite quiet during the international breaks. You rarely hear from him, but he, he said it would be suicidal. Um, for for Chile to play Alexis Sanchez on Tuesday. The information, because they had initially put out that he had uh, a calf injury, I think. And Arsene Wenger said, no, hang on. I, I've, I've got a text here to say that it's, uh, it's a hamstring problem. I don't know if you've seen the blog today. There's a picture of Alexis with what looks like um, well, very heavy strapping on his, uh, on his uh, hamstring. So it's clear there's a hamstring problem. Um, the... The seriousness of it is the is the thing that we uh, aren't quite sure about. You know, is it a low grade problem, which is what Chile are saying, uh, or is it much more serious than that? Are Chile playing him because they know they don't have another international in a few months, and they can say, "Well, look, you know, we'll try to get him through this game because he's so important to us, and we don't really care what happens to him at Arsenal. We don't care what Arsenal do or how it affects Arsenal in any way." Um, so it is. It's all a bit strange and weird and up in the air. I mean, what do you, what do you yeah. make of it all? I don't know. I mean, it was it was it was an unusually uh, strongly worded statement from Arsen, wasn't it? Mm. It seems like he, he says it would be suicidal, but it'd probably be more homicidal because it's not going to hurt Chile themselves. It's going to hurt us directly. Yeah, it's going to yeah. hurt Arsenal. Um, and I think. Obviously, it was a year ago, pretty much, wasn't it, that Alexis's hamstring went pop at Norwich? Yeah, and he missed about six weeks, something like that. So that that must be in Arsene Wenger's thoughts. I think it, I don't know how much control the clubs have here. Like, you know, can Arsene stop him no. from playing? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything Arsenal can do from here uh, or from this side of the Atlantic, anyway other than to express concerns and other than perhaps to make contact with the player and and say to him, look, we understand that you you want to uh, play for your country, we understand the importance of the game against Uruguay, but also you have a responsibility to your club as well. We're the ones that pay your wages. Um, if there's a chance that he could damage that hamstring any further like and put him out for a significant period of time... Uh, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, but I don't know <laughs> That's that... the message, don't do it. Just don't yeah. do it. But I, I don't know that... I don't know that he'll pay any attention to that. I don't know. I mean... I mean, what would your opinion be if, let's say we find out on Wednesday morning or Thursday Alexis comes back and is ruled out for X amount of uh, weeks because he played on Tuesday... Uh, for Chile, he misses games against Manchester United, PSG, etc., etc. I mean, what? Where would your opinion of Alexis be 
if you knew that he went into that game, uh, the Chile game, knowing that he might aggravate this this injury even further? I'd be hugely frustrated with him, but also quite unsurprised. I mean, we know that this is the way he approaches the game at club level and international level. He wants to play every single minute. And obviously there's something short-sighted about that because it can prove mm. costly. I think it would tell you a little bit about where his priorities lie, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, it, it would it would illustrate that international football maybe is, is more important to him than his club football. Mm. And that's something that we've... I think we've experienced it with English players to an extent in the past. It's felt a bit like that with Theo Walcott at times. And, Jack Wilshire. Uh, Jack Wilshire, <laughs> certainly, in terms of what he's done this season going out to Bournemouth. And that would be annoying. I mean, the, the problem is that I uh, I really worry about losing Alexis. I think of all the players we could lose in our team, losing him is such a blow because him playing up front this season has really changed the dynamic of the team and I think mm. you know aside from the addition of Mustafi who's become a regular starter that's the big major difference really between the team this season and last season I think it's given us so much so to lose him especially at a time when the obvious replacement in Lucas Perez is not available would be a, a massive massive blow yeah so I mean how much responsibility does he have to take then um it's it's difficult. Well, I, I mean, I, I think I, we I think we know that he's. If you were to ask him his priorities, Chile would be would be the number one. And I, I don't think mm. that's necessarily just true of Alexis. I think it's true of a lot of uh, a lot of players. Um, maybe not so much the English ones, but certainly uh, some of the international players would would prioritize uh, their countries over their clubs. Um, but we we know how much he loves to play. We know how much he hates being injured. So is there, there's got to be some sort of rationalization in his own mind that, okay, look, I really want to play this game, but if I do, I could miss two months, let's say. And that's got to be more frustrating than just missing, you know, one game. It's not as if Chile's uh, qualification hopes will be uh, completely dashed if he doesn't play or if they don't qualify, nobody's going to say, well, it's because Alexis didn't put his body on the line for us. I don't think maybe there would be some hardcore lunatics who would say something like that. But the reality of it is that, you know, you've got to have a bit of a bit of common sense. Um and if it's if it's a, a hamstring injury that could uh, put you on the sidelines for a couple of months, surely that's much worse than missing one game for your country. I think. Well, is that just common sense? That is common sense. That is common sense. And you would think that that would play out and common sense would come through, but it it doesn't look that way right now, does mm. it? I mean, he's training. It looks as if they're they're planning to pick him. It looks as if he's planning to play. I. I mean, we're, we're literally in a position where we're just crossing our fingers, really, aren't we? And yeah. hoping he somehow comes through. And then, of course, Arsenal are left with the decision of if he does come back relatively unscathed, do we have then take the risk of playing him again this weekend? Or is it us who have to go, well, he needs some time to recover or he's going to seriously hurt himself? Yeah, that's a very good point. That is a very good point. Because he could get through the game without doing any further damage to it, but the damage that's already been done might need him to be taken out of the taken out of the uh, firing line. He, he might have mm. to just rest anyway. I mean, when you talk about him being the the one player that we can't afford to lose, obviously the way the team has played this season uh, has got a lot to do with Alexis playing at centre forward and the replacement Olivier Giroud. Assuming he comes through. Uh, uh, the internationals, I think France have got a, a friendly, don't they, against Ivory Coast? Um, mm. 
in midweek, uh, Ars- Arsene Wenger hoping that France don't play Lauren Koscielny because it's just a friendly, but Giroud possibly a guy who could use a bit of match practice and, and get some sharpness under his belt. But uh, the way 2016 is going, you know, we could wake up Wednesday morning and uh, and uh, Alexis could be gone and Giroud could be, like, knackered as well. So, um, but uh, let's assume that Giroud is the guy and we don't have Hector Bellerin. Uh, he's going to be out for a while because he's got uh, mm. ankle ligament damage. Those are two players who have a very big influence on the way that this team performs. And the replacements that we have, uh, I mean, Giroud for Alexis, it's different. I don't think there's quite the same golfing quality as there is between, let's say, Bellerin and Carl Jenkinson. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame, isn't it? Because, well, I mean, we, we are we have lost the central midfielder. It looks like Santi Cazorla is still going to be out when yeah. we come back for the international break. But that's an area where I think we can absorb the loss of players to a far greater extent. Uh, in fact, pretty much almost any position on the field than those two at yeah, the moment. Yeah. Um, I think right back's the one where there's the biggest drop-off in terms of uh, the, the, the calibre of the options available. Uh, and up front, you know, without Welbeck and Lucas, it's not quite what it might be in the second half of the season in terms of options. Mm. So, yeah, Bellerin and, and Alexis are a big two. And, and, you know, when you look at that Manchester United team, I can't help but feel that uh, our pace is an area where we could potentially really hurt them, uh, especially you know if we're away from home and we can play on the counter-attack at all. We don't know if that would be possible against a Jose Mourinho team, but either way, that speed is, is so important to the way we go forward, and Bellerin and Alexis are you know two of the most obvious exponents of that. Do you, do you um, think there's any way he might play Theo Walcott as a striker, for example, uh, at Old Trafford? One wonders if the scars of Old Trafford earlier this year are still too deep, you know, for that. But, I mean, because uh, Walcott started up top in that game, it was absolutely dire, wasn't mm. it? I know this is a a different Theo Walcott, but has not part of what's been different about him been the, the position, you know. He's, yeah, I think yeah, he's yeah. been much better on that right-hand side. Um, I mean, I think it would be Giroud. I think it would be Giroud. And I think, I guess what you have to hope is that someone, you know, someone like Walcott, Playing from wide can help make the difference too, um, rather than just relying on Alexis through the middle. But it's not—it's not the most encouraging uh, news, you know. We we always talk about November, and it feels like yeah, feels like that that old curse is beginning to strike now. Yes, yeah. And um, look, maybe we are sitting here being a bit fatalistic. Maybe we're looking at the the very worst possible case scenario, and it could be better. It might be okay. Who knows? I, I mean, I don't really think that, but <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I'm just trying to make myself feel a little bit better. That's all. It's, yeah, it's um, not your actual opinion, but no, it's, it's plausible. It is exactly. You know, this this could be a thing, but I don't think so. It's not what I think. Um, yeah, I'd say Arsene Wenger is going mad. I'd say he's going mad. He did. He did leave. Um, what did he say? There was something he said during the week, which was which was quite good. I have to see if I can find it here. Uh, okay. Bum, bum, bum. He was talking about, you know, when, when players are away, he says, sometimes you have a sleepless night because some of your players have been injured and sometimes you're angry because they play a friendly game, they're overloaded with games and instead of being taken off, they play the full 90 minutes. Then he says, we've got an hour afterwards where after all the fixtures where we text each other, myself and the physios to ask, are they all right? Oh, we've got this injury. We've got that injury. So... I'd say this particular interlull, uh, taking into account as well that Hector Bellerin went away 
with, with Spain's under-21s and came back from mm-hmm. there with this ankle ligament injury, where which I assume happened during training uh, for, for the Spain under-21s. I think it was during training, yeah. You know? So we've got uh, Bellerin out, uh, this whole Alexis saga going on, um, and then he's, he's looking at uh, other players who are away. Uh, like Koscielny, he's going to give him a rest. You know, and you can't tell international managers what to do. I mean, clubs have really, unless a player is so badly injured they can't go. Once they're away, they've they've literally got no recourse. They've no official channel to go through other than to appeal to the the common sense of the international managers. And international managers may well understand the predicament of a club manager, but at the end of the day they're going to do what's best for them, for their job, for their team. And if it means playing a slightly injured player with the risk that when he gets back to his club, he's out for a while, they're going to do it 99% of the time. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a, it's a tough time for us. And he just has to you know, sit on his hands effectively and hope for the best. But mm. it's, uh, I mean, look, Bellerin, Alexis, but I mean, there's still another round of fixtures to get through, so... I don't know, I'm crossing all, all my digits, really. Yeah, they are They are um, friendlies, though, for the most part. In Europe, anyway, It's uh, all the games are friendlies, uh, I think, mm. during the week. So there's no actual qualifier. So perhaps the intensity of those games will be will be a, a little less. You know, they won't... Um, well, yeah. Yeah. Having watched some of those international friendlies in recent years, I can assure you they, they will be less intense. Mm. Uh, but, you know... I wouldn't put anything past our guys. No, not at all. Not at no. all. All right, what else has been uh, happening? Well, I guess, you know, it's funny enough, we've been talking about these players already, but there's been, I think since we spoke, there's been contractual news about, about Bellerin, certainly. Yeah. Uh, not not officially confirmed by the club as yet, is that right? But, uh, but yeah, not official, but it seems dusted. all all done and dusted, yeah. And uh, some stories today about uh, Mesut Ozil buying a, a brand new house. Did you see that? Yes, I've just I did. Seen someone, I did. someone tweeting about it. He's bought a, a ten million pound house in in Highgate, in North London, uh, which would suggest that uh, he sees his future in London. So, well, I mean, it's a, it's a good investment either way. But yes, <laughs> I, I'm choosing to interpret that optimistically. I, I think, uh, and it also has a lot of money spent on a house, so maybe there's areas of pay rise in mm. the whole thing for Meza. Mm. But I. Um, there have been a couple of stories as well, I'm aware, that I think uh, Steve Stammers and maybe John Cross have suggested that while Ozil's contract talks are progressing well and should be should be confirmed possibly sooner rather than later, that maybe Alexis is a, a little bit trickier. Um, I don't he, know if there's been a fallout about his, his, his insistence on playing for Chile all the time. But, well, uh, I mean, if you, were, if you were negotiating a new contract with a club and... Uh, you know, you've you've deliberately ignored medical advice and put yourself out of action as one of the team's most important players. You know, there might be a bit of a standoff there. I, I believe that the Alexis thing, uh, we've, we've both had doubts about it uh, mm. or, or concerns about it, I, I guess you would say. Uh, I think they're, they're looking for a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and that, that could well be... Uh, a sticking point, and I, I also I'm not I'm not necessarily convinced that Alexis is a guy who would want to see out his career at Arsenal. I feel like he's a guy who would look at having one more move, um, you know, to to a to another club, to a big European club. Um, 
So yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a worry in in that regard as well. So uh, yeah, I wonder if you know that if I mean, that's one that's going to run for some time. He's twenty seven. He'll be twenty eight in December. So you'd think that if he has got one more big move in him, mm. it's it's sort of now or never, really. Yeah, but the end of the end of this season with a year left on his Arsenal contract. Will Arsenal hold him if he decides that he's not going to sign a new contract? Will he? Will we just hold on to him, let him see out his contract, and let him leave, or will we cash in and try and find a replacement? That's uh, that's the big question. That's the big decision for Arsene Wenger uh, to make. Should it come to that? But look, I think that's one we can uh, we can park for for a little while. Um, uh, what else is going on? Shall I run you through what else our players have been up to internationally? Yes, please. got a little list in front of me here. Yeah, oh, well, Nacho Monreal scored a goal. Did you see that? I did. Very nice side-footed finish. Lovely. Against Macedonia. Yeah, mm. lovely volley from him. Uh, Mohamed Elneny played the entirety of Egypt's 2-0 win over Ghana. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Granite Xhaka won his 50th international cap for Switzerland against the Faroe Islands. Wow, so, 50 caps. He's only 23 years of age. That is... Uh, I know. That's a lot of caps. At that well, age. he came through at seventeen, didn't he? And he's sort of, yeah. I mean, he's he's racking them up. He's sort of like the the Swiss Rooney, but not as fat or hideous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's hope he, he lasts a bit longer than that as well. Uh, Ramsey would have been over. Oh, what about Alex Awobi and his little flick? Did you see that doing I did, the rounds? I on did see that. Yeah, it was great. I mean, uh, from the limited uh, length of the video clip. Uh, it wasn't clear that the whistle had already gone when he yeah. made that flick, which is a bit of a shame, but what a piece of skill. Exactly. Mm. I'd love him to do that at Old Trafford on Saturday if he could pull it out again. That'd yeah. be nice to see. Um, 90 minutes for Koscielny and Giroud for France against Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hopefully, as you say, Koscielny will now get a rest. So, oh, Serge Gnabry. Did you see him? Yeah. <laughs> Hat-trick. Hat-trick against uh, the mighty San Marino. Yeah, what can you do? Eh? Mm. Uh, I mean, it's funny, I saw some criticism of Arsenal off the back of that one, you know, saying, oh, you let Nabry go and blah, blah, blah. But there really wasn't much more Arsene Wenger could have done, is there? No, I don't think so. It was clear he wanted to leave. I, I still think there's something suspicious about the the Bayern Munich involvement in in that transfer. I think his head was... It all happened so quickly that he must, you know... Something must be going on behind the scenes there because, you know, with the greatest of respect to Werder Bremen, um, you know, being at Arsenal would have provided him with some Champions League football. I don't think there's any doubt he would have played at at times Mm -hmm. this season uh, if he had stayed. And I think probably he's got, you know, some some bigger ambitions. But, uh, yeah, look... If a player wants to go and a player has his head turned, there's there's not a lot you can do about it. Um, Arsenal did offer him a new deal. Arsenal stood by him for the two years that he was out injured and didn't play when he went on loan to, to West Brom. Um, so, you know, I don't think Arsenal can be criticised really in any way for the way they've treated Gnabry and maybe, you know, you might ask questions of the way Gnabry has, has treated Arsenal. Yeah, I think that's fair enough, especially, yeah, given the loyalty, the way they stood by him through so many injury problems, you know, mm. it wouldn't have been too much to expect that to be reciprocated. Mm. Um, David Espina, last of all, kept a clean sheet against Chile because he didn't have to face Alexis. Yeah. So, there well, there you go. OK, well, what an exciting interval it's been. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I know, right? Yeah. What a thrilling rundown. It sure is. All right, look, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with part two, your questions, and more right after this. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer some of the questions or the topics that you uh, you ask us about on Twitter at GunnerBlog and at ArsBlog and over on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the ArsBlog. Before we do that, though, a couple of little things to tell you about. Uh, the Arscast Extra Extra Live is on Thursday, yeah. November 24th. So the day after the PSG game, whether we'll have Alexis mm. or not, I, I don't know, or... Or anyone? Will anyone be fit for that game? What's your prediction, James? I say no. Uh, I say zero players. I think all the players and me will be injured. Well, the thing uh, is, if you're injured, chances are everything's going to go all right for us then. That's true. We'll still win if yeah. I'm injured. So yeah. <laughs> that'll be fine. But we're going to be in the garage in Highbury in Islington uh, on Thursday evening. Doors open at 6 o'clock. Uh, podcast starts around 7 o'clock. So it's going to be myself and yourself, James. We're joined by Amy Lawrence. We're joined by Filippo Clare. And uh, who knows who else might pop along on the night. Um, there's a bar. We can chat about Arsenal. We can chat about whatever. Alexis, anything you like. Uh, we'll be doing the audience Q&A uh, as we normally do with an Arscast Extra. And you can get tickets right now from myticket.co.uk. So go to myticket.co.uk, search for Arscast, and you can get tickets there. Or if you go to the uh, Arsblog Twitter uh, page, you can see a link. I think I've a pinned tweet there, uh, which uh, gives you a link directly to the ticket. So it'll be great to see you. Come along and join us. It should be fun. Very nice. I will also pin a tweet once I figure out how to do it. You've got to go uh, to the webpage and uh, yes. <laughs> write a tweet, and then there's a little thing there that says pin tweet, so you can do it that way. Okay, lovely. And now everyone at home can do that as well, yeah. if they care. So. Uh, and, and also, was there not some uh, celebration to news? Are we not nominated for something or other? We are indeed. The Football Supporters Federation Awards 2016 Podcast of the Year. So, Arscast. Uh, which includes the Arscast, and this Arscast Extra, of course, is up against Atletico Mints, the big interview with Graham Hunter, the Football Ramble, mm. the Game podcast, and the Guardian's Football Weekly podcast. So, some fairly big opposition there. It's got to be Stiff said. competition. Stiff competition, yeah. indeed. There's a, there's a Barcelona, there's a Real Madrid in there. And we are, we're Arsenal. So help us get beyond the round of 16, folks. Uh, I'll put up a link on today's post, uh, with this podcast. Uh, you could vote for the Arscast. That would be, uh, that would be very much appreciated. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. That'd be lovely. Thank that you very much. That'd be, be superb. Mm. All right. Well, will we do, uh, will we do some questions? I think we will. I All think right. we'll do it imminently. Right. Uh, we'll do it, do it now, in fact. Almost. Uh, have, have you got a question you'd like to pose? Uh, Yes, I do. Um, okay. Where Where is it gone though? Um, <laughs> you, you don't sound convincing. Look, if you haven't got any questions, that's fine. You know, I've got some questions. I could give you a question. Yeah, you do that while I try and find the question that I was going to uh, ask. Okay. Right. Um, this This one comes from Curtis Fair, um, and I hope you're listening and not just looking for that question. Just to be clear. Um, <laughs> But he says, hey, blogs, so it's addressed to you. He's right. not really bothered about my, my opinion. Right. Do you agree with the treatment of Debushi? 
clearly been frozen out of the squad, appears in training, but never on the bench. And I thought I'd give that one a shout, especially with Hector Bellerin now injured. This is yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a relevant question. Suddenly relevant. Yes. yes. Well, uh, interestingly, I I sought an update uh, about Matthew Debushi from the club's communications department. Right. Just this very morning. And uh, wow, I, okay. I said, what's going on? What's, what's the story with, with Debushi? Come on, you can, you can tell me. You can just tell mm. me, you know, be honest here. We're, we're all pals. It's all good to, you know, tell me. Uh, and they said uh, he's, he's on his way back uh, from a calf injury and will be training this week, uh, which means, I guess, that he's still some way away from, from playing, um, some way away from being ready for first-team action. So I'm not necessarily sure he has been frozen out per se. I just think he's been he's been injured. Um, but it does mean Hector, uh, uh, Carl Jenkinson it provides an opportunity for Carl Jenkinson uh, for the next few weeks anyway, while while Bellerin is out, or until such time as Debushi gets himself back to match fitness. But you know, to be honest, I would be quite I'd be surprised to see Debushi again. Um, unless things got, you know, bad, really bad. Uh, yeah, well, I think the return of Jenkinson kind of put paid to Debussy's Arsenal career, which is funny, funny in a way, because when Debussy arrived at Arsenal, that seemed to be precisely what uh, was going to push Jenkinson out of the club. Mm. Uh, but you know, he's come back from loan, and I, 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 it's, I mean, the only reason Debussy didn't leave this summer is simply because Jenkinson wasn't fit yet. That's the only real way I can make sense of it. Yeah. Um, or they couldn't find a club who was willing to take on his salary. I yeah. I have been part of it too. Mm. Um, while we're on the subject, Othman, who's at O2 Aidri on Twitter, asks, "Would you play? who would you play at right-back versus United? Jenkinson or move Mustafi and play holding in the middle? Oh, um, I hadn't really thought about Mustafi as, as a right-back option, to be honest. Um, well, I mean, you're you know you're enforcing two changes on your back four mm, rather than just one by mm. doing that. And, and would um, he would he play holding or would he play Gabriel? Gabriel. So that's a Gabriel Casciani yeah. uh, partnership. Gabriel had a fucking nightmare at Old Trafford last year. He was terrible Very that true. day. Um, it's I, a big ask for Rob Holding, you mm. know, as good as he's been, to come into that game. Yeah, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have too many concerns really about Rob Holding uh, if he were to play, but I just think making another uh, change to your back four m- might not be the way to go. You know, um, so I think he'll I think he'll play Jenkinson uh, and hope that he can. Like, was the last time Carl Jenkinson played at Old Trafford? Was it the eight two? I don't know. He was sent off in that game, wasn't he? It he was, was a really yeah. dark day for him. Dark uh, day for everyone, James. Yes, it really was. I don't know if he's... I think he might have played there since then, maybe in a, a cup tie or something. But, mm. uh, yeah, I uh, there'd be some ghosts to exercise, certainly. Yes, indeed, for sure. All right, well, uh, hopefully that clears it up about the Matthew Debushi thing. Calf injury. Okay. So calf injury. Calf. Oh, good to know. Yes. Ha- have you? Uh, is, is that, and we think it's a real injury, not one of those sort of Arsene Wenger injuries. That, uh, you know. I don't know. I mean, would it be beyond <laughs> the realms of possibility that the Arsenal communications department, you know, put out a story that isn't necessarily a hundred percent of the truth? It's possible, isn't it? Who knows in this it's- in this world we live in? 
fear and misinformation. You just can't be 100% sure. But, you know, you got to take the info in good faith. And to be fair, he hasn't really been seen. He's been in training now and again, hasn't he? Sort of, uh, you know, piffling around the edges of it. So um, we'll see. I, I think there's probably something a little more going on with the whole Debushi thing than just the calf injury. But... Uh, you know, we'll take that at take that at face value. It's a, it's as reasonable an explanation as any. At take them point. at their word. Yeah. Have you have you discovered your question you were searching y- for? Yes, I have. I have. Um, ah, good. This one comes from John Stewart Hendry on the old Facebook, and he says, "With all the young players we've had over the years who have, rightly or wrongly, been destined for greatness, but have ultimately not lived up to the hype, do you think there's something fundamentally wrong with the coaching system?" Ooh. Um, that's an interesting question. Because my first reaction is to say that <clears throat> I, I don't feel like there's a particular weight of of players who, you know, were destined for the top and then didn't necessarily make it. I actually think that Arsenal's conversion rate of, let's say, young teenage talent into first-team players mm. is a pretty good one. I think it's uh, probably among the best in the in the Premier League. If you look at them bringing players through from the academy, you know, I, I think that what happens is that expectations of those players sometimes spiral out of all control and all realism. Uh, and there was definitely a time where it felt like I don't know if it was because we'd had the Invincibles and we'd had such you know we'd had some brilliant, brilliant young players come through. I mean, I know they weren't academy players, but the likes of Vieira you know, came through and went on to become the best midfield player in the world. So I think there was mm. a time where any young player who, who broke into the Arsenal side, we thought, well, we've got a world beater on our hands here. I mean, I always think of Nicholas Bentner and Arturo Lupoli, you know, setting the, the yeah. youth division to light with yeah. their goal-scoring antics. And we thought, well, you know, we've got the new Thierry Henry just waiting in the wings. But I, I think that those expectations were the thing that was was wrong there. I don't necessarily... I actually think that the academy and the youth development is still one of the strong points at Arsenal. And I think that, you know, you look at the current first team, you've got Bellerin in there, you've got Coquelin in there, you've got Iwobi in there. That's actually something that's quite hard for for other English Champions League clubs mm. to replicate. So... No, I, I don't think it's a particular indictment of the coaching staff. What, what about you? I just think people underestimate how how difficult it is to to make the step up. Mm. That the the gap between being a top youth level player and being a top senior player is huge. It's enormous, and there's only ever going to be one or two every couple of seasons that are that are going to be good enough to make the breakthrough. Like a lot of the Arsenal youth academy. Um, uh, what products down the years have gone on to have good careers, good Premier League careers. Um, you know, there was a time where there were just, you know, countless, countless, uh, like the the Steve Sidwell generation, you know, those guys yeah. who, who pretty much all spread out across the Premier League and were middle to lower uh, table teams, but they had good Premier League careers, you know. Uh, but I, I just think that it's so incredibly difficult. There's on the one hand, right, there's this this demand this cacophony of noise for the for the team to be as good as it can possibly be to be full of world class players in every position with world class backup and at the same time people are screaming for young players who uh, over the years clearly haven't been anywhere near good enough to be given a chance as well so i don't think mm-hmm. you can have the two things you can't want 
a team that's good enough to win the Premier League and good enough to win the Champions League and at the same time demand that a young player who you've barely seen for the most part, who about whom you have little to no information in terms of their their character or their uh, you know their attitude, how they operate in training. You know, are they committed enough? You know, are they are they dedicated enough? We don't have any of that information. You know, when, when a manager makes a decision about a young player, he's basing it on what he sees in the entirety of what that young player does at the club, not just in the, the, the cameos that we might see if he gets a run out as a substitute or a game in the, in the Capital One Cup, right? And I, I don't mm. think there have been very many young players that Arsene Wenger that has let go that have come back to haunt him. I don't really... I can't think of any. No, no. I mean, I mean the, people talked about uh, Benny Kofobe, the other... Uh, last season, you know, he scored a lot of goals for Wolves and got himself a move to Bournemouth. And they said, well, why didn't we keep Benny Kofobe? Well, one, because Benny Kofobe wouldn't have developed into the player that he that he was without regular football. So he dropped down, and fair play to him, he dropped down to MK Dons, wasn't it, and uh, worked his way back up into the Premier League. But look at him in the Premier League now. He's not starting regularly for uh, for Bournemouth. I don't know what his goal scoring is like. Um, it's not great. I mean, I don't think he's got a goal this season. And as you say, yeah, he's he's coming off the bench for Bournemouth. He's not he's not a regular in yeah, the team. You know, so a good player uh, who could have a good Premier League career there or thereabouts. But you know, is he is he the right player for Arsenal? If you're if you're complaining about Olivier Giroud not being good enough, you can't then say we have to give Benikafobe a chance. Does no. that make sense? Of course it does, and I'm trying to think, and I'm I'm trying to think if you know if you look at Manchester United, <laughs> you think of Gerard Piquet, Paul Pogba, players who've who've left as young players, mm. albeit on their own terms uh, rather than necessarily at the will of the manager, and gone on to have massive massive careers. Uh, I mean, look, it's been a promising start for Serge Gnabry, a word of Bremen, but he's not anywhere like that level yet. I'm trying to think if there's anyone who does fit that bill. I'm not so sure. Sure, there is. What well, there are a, a history of players who maybe haven't quite lived up to our expectations. Sure, you, you know, you think of um, I don't know. You think of your Philippe Senderosses or something like that. Someone who Carlos, arrived with Carlos Vela. Exactly. Yeah, the, you know, the, the Carling Cup generation really. Yeah, were, yeah. Who, who shone in those games but never quite converted it. Um, even you know Jeremy Aliadier, if you go back a little bit. But, yeah. Uh, I, I think that. I think, as I said before, at the risk of repeating myself, I think that's because the expectations are too high, and as you say, the the leap is so great from one to the other. You can't necessarily expect many players to bridge that divide. Mm. Uh, and there, as as we've said, I don't think there were many who've gone on to do that elsewhere. It's suggesting that the problem's kind of endemic to Arsenal. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same at every big club. You know how many how many players are are coming through with, uh, at, the, at the big clubs? When's the last time Chelsea brought through? A young player. Now, the mm. the dynamic and the the system and the setup there is is different to Arsenal. You know, they're not necessarily. Um, it's not part of what they do. Whereas it is, to be fair to Arsenal, something that they you know, we do try and do. We do try and give uh, academy candidates a chance, and the ones that come in and take their chances uh, are rewarded for that. You look at Hector Bellerin. Um, I know it's uh, circumstances, all the all the things had to line up for him to be given that chance. But, you know, it was there and he was there when, when the opportunity knocked, you know. So, 
Of course. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong. I just think it's incredibly difficult for a young player to, to make the step up from top youth player to top senior player. Very few of them can do it. That's it, yeah. For every Hector Bellerin, there's a J. Emmanuel Thomas. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a difficult transition to make. Mm. Um, let's have another question. Uh, I've said that. I've done that thing where I say that and I, I'm not primed at all, you know. You're just... Um, but let's... <laughs> yeah, I'm just swinging it now. Yeah. Uh, this is from Neon Away Shirts on Twitter. Uh, and they ask, after Iwobi's rainbow flick for Nigeria, what's the most outrageous piece of skill you've seen from an Arsenal player? Oh, fucking hell. Um, I'm sure there are, like, <laughs> countless examples of Arsenal players doing incredible things. But my memory is such that... What did I have for I'll breakfast? Tell you, what, uh, what did, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit like that. I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but uh, the reason I chose this question is partly because I, I just want to talk about this again. But, but I mean, there were about there were about eighty things that Carnu did in an Arsenal shirt that could oh, qualify. Yeah, okay, I know the one you're talking about, and that would actually that was the most outrageous because what he, the Deportivo the, the Deportivo thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. That, I, think, I think in terms of. If the word's outrageous, that's got to be the one, right? Yeah, you, you should describe it because maybe there's some people, because this happened back in the in the 90s, so maybe there are some people who don't know this uh, this piece of wizardry awesomeness. Yeah, but basically, Carnu's sort of going through on goal in, I don't know, he's sort of in the left-hand channel, you know, what you describe as the Thierry Henry position, really, and instead of opening his body and taking a shot at goal, he just sort of steps over the ball and shimmies and shakes in such a fashion that without even touching the ball, mm. the goalkeeper is kind of <laughs> so bemused that he just kind of crumples to the <laughs> ground. It's it's like, it's almost Jedi-ish kind of striking play, right? Yeah, yeah. This is not the ball you uh, are looking for. Yes, exactly. And then he just, uh, I forget, does he just roll the ball into the empty net once the goalie's yeah. flat out on the floor? Yeah. But uh, it's, I mean, the, the nerve... It's, that's what it is, isn't it? It's the nerve that he shows in even attempting it. Uh, preposterous. I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, for just a, for a man with a dodgy heart, very, very <laughs> steady in those moments. It is absolutely brilliant. And I think there's like a, there's this kind of when the goal goes in, there's this like, oh, look what he did. As the cheers yeah. start, there's also this, oh, my God. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty amazing. He scored a, an incredible flick as well, didn't he, against Middlesbrough? Um, yeah. He did this, uh, scored a great goal at, I, th- I think it was at White Hart Lane, wasn't it, where the ball was played into him and he had his back to the defender and he mm. just flicked it over him, uh, turned around the other side and, and lashed the ball into the net. Uh, that was, and then that of was course, a bit brilliant. The Stamford Bridge as well, his hat-trick at Stamford Bridge, capping it with uh, that brilliant goal from right out on the touchline, yeah. bringing it into the top corner. I suppose, though, people are more talking about flicks and tricks though are they stuff that oh yeah 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 I thought it... we were just listing Canu stuff now yeah. <laughs> um, I mean Ramsey's goal last year against uh, Tottenham at White Hart Lane is, is fantastic piece of skill um, there's, a, there's yeah. a great video where you can see the Arsenal players doing a warm up um, and they're in a circle this is at Highbury I think and Dennis Bergkamp nutmegs Alex Song 
I know it's not during a game, just warm up stuff, but that's that's pretty good. I enjoy that. Uh, Thierry Henry scored a back heel against Charlton. I always remember. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Uh, little one two with Jesse Reyes, I think. Jose yeah. Reyes, and then just back heel it into the net. Um, but yeah, there were so many moments that. I mean, we're talking about Carnu's goals, but he contributed so many moments that just made you go, I mean, how did he even think to do that? You know, he was uh, a really unusual player to watch. I mean, you know, a one-off, really. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I loved him. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, that was the moment for me, that definitely moment. That's the most outrageous thing I've seen. <laughs> yeah, so if, if you haven't attempt. seen it, make sure you... Uh, Make sure you look that up, Canu Deportivo. Mm. Uh, I'm sure it's on YouTube. I think we should watch it. I think I'm. I think I'm just going to yeah. watch it now. Hang on. Yeah, watch it. Why not? Yeah. Um, oh. Sounds like there's a chainsaw going off in the background there. Let me have Canu a listen. Go. Wow. Okay. So this is the Canu goal. Ball's gone up in the air. Canu running in. Amazing. Amazing. Arsene Wenger on the sidelines just laughing. Just laughing. What a a fucking brilliant goal that was. Um, I have had a listen. I think it is a chainsaw, so there's not much I can do about that, really. I no. think it's a man with a chainsaw. I'm not going to tell him to put it away. No. They're chopping down trees near me. That's why. We need trees. I don't know. To make paper or something. I don't know, Andrew, what they're doing. To clear the, the route for cattle. Oh, That's my. what happens in the rainforest. Yeah. We need more sort trees. Stop chopping them down, fuckers. I know. I know. They're putting out all the oxygen, mm. but, you know. They won't listen. All right, here's a question from Anthony Brown at RedAnt83. And he says, should Arsenal play a more defensive game against Manchester United due to lack of attacking options? Hashtag safety first. Well, we talked about this last week, but we, we kind of think that Jose Mourinho might go kind of safety first. Yeah. You know? we might. So what happens if you get safety first versus safety first? You Is get- it like when you put two... Ends of a magnet against each other. You know what I mean? They yeah, yeah. Weird repulsion. You get you. Yeah, I guess you get Manchester United versus Liverpool. Oh God! Or something. I mean, how would you feel about a draw at Old Trafford? I'd take it probably. If you offered it to yeah. me now, I'd I'd take it. Um, obviously, I do not have with, that power. Yeah. Well, you know, you need to work on that. Um, <laughs> I yeah I. I'd take it. I obviously would prefer a win. I think had we gone into this game with a fit Alexis, with a fit Hector Bellerin, I think we could be going into it feeling pretty confident based on the way Manchester United have been playing this season. Uh, now I'm, I'm not so confident. I feel like we've been weakened or could be weakened quite considerably without those two players. Um, so, you know, on that basis, I, I, would, I would take a draw, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think that approach, that kind of sitting off approach is really going to work because of the way United, I think, are going to set up. Unless Mourinho yeah. really goes for it. But he, it, when when's the last time a Mourinho team has like really gone for it and played a high line and left space in behind for us to counterattack against or for any team to counterattack against? So... I don't think safety first is necessarily gonna gonna work, um, but obviously we've we've got to be mindful um, of leaving ourselves exposed. 
defensively if we if we go and try and win the game, you know? Yeah, like even if he senses blood with a couple of injuries to the Arsenal team, it's it's just not his style to mm. to attack in that fashion. Um do I think what was the original question? Do I think that we should maybe put a defensive setup? Yeah, play a more defensive game. I mean, can we? That's the other question. Yeah, that's you know, yeah. We, we, we talk about can Jason Mourinho play an attacking game. Arsenal has spoken a lot this season about how much our team is set up to go forward. I'm not sure. I think it would be such a big change to then a, a, adopt a defensive setup that it would it might destabilise the whole team. Asking them to do something that different, they've not really <clears> been asked to do that all season long. Mm. Um, so, no, I think we've got to play our game. I think we've got to... I mean, at the risk of sounding like Arsene Wenger, we, we've just, you know, got to do what we do. Um, and 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 do hope we do it well enough that, that that's enough. Yeah. But it's... Uh, I, I don't think we can suddenly reinvent ourselves as this kind of solid defensive unit who can go there and play for a point. I don't really think that's in our... Makeup, right, right, okay, for, well, be- for better or worse. Fair enough. Let's uh, let's have. A, have you got one more? Or yeah, I'm sure I do. Let me have a little look. Um, what do you think? Do you think we should be defensive? I don't think that can be our main approach. I mean, obviously, we have to be uh, we have to be as solid as we can be. But I don't think you know we're we're we, we just can't play with ten, eleven men behind the ball. That's not the type of team that we are. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. if you play against someone like Barcelona, who at least leave you some space to, to counter into, then you could try that and you would obviously have a more defensive approach against the team who, who look to attack that much. But uh, as I said, I don't think United are going to really try. They're not going to go gung-ho at us. So I think um, I don't think it's a case we'll cancel each other out, but I, I do think we'll we'll just have to go and try and win the game. Cool. So let's have... This question, this one is okay. from Steve Pye, who's at 1980 Sports Blog. On okay. He says, which is worst? By the way, his question is not related to the 1980s, which is really disappointing. Okay, oh well. I my hopes which up there. Is wor- <laughs> which is worst? A, international break. Mm-hmm. B, the time between Christmas and New Year. Right. I don't have much against that myself, but there you go. Yeah. C, wasps or D Jose Mourinho oh there's a clear winner um international breaks are annoying but you know you can go to the cinema and stuff and help pass the time time between Christmas and New Year I like it I like that week. I like it as well. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing that people didn't like that yeah maybe it's just Steve Pye who doesn't like that maybe maybe um, I don't know what his problem is. Maybe he's just so excited about New Year's Eve and watching Jules Holland that he uh, he just you know he can't bear the anticipation of a waiting for Christmas, Christmas morning to get up and open your presents, and then you got to wait again for New Year's Eve to have the parties. I don't know. I, I like that week because it's kind of weird and nobody's really doing anything, and you can lie around and eat sandwiches and watch football and all that. So I, I like it from that. There point is of football, view. unlike the international break. Yeah, there is football. Exactly. There. Now wasps are complete cunts. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah. But basically, Jose Mourinho is a human wasp, and that makes him far worse for me. Even though it's wasps multiple, one Jose Mourinho is worse than many wasps. Well, think of how many wasps you would need to make one Jose Mourinho-sized wasp. That's a lot of wasps. 
Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a. I mean, a wasp that big, that, uh, that's gonna kill you, really. A yeah. wasp that big. That would be a. I, they're, they're they're called hornets. Ah, uh, that's what they are. Yeah. So I see. Still, I just think that you know, at least wasps, you can you can spray them with stuff. You can hit them with rolled up newspapers, and and that does them some damage. Whereas if you were to hit Jose Mourinho with a rolled up newspaper. It would just be irritating to him. He, it would make him very crotchety, I think, being slapped in the head with a with a rolled-up newspaper. Now, if you were perhaps to roll the newspaper around an iron bar, maybe that would be a little bit better. But just, just for the sheer country he's inflicted on the world of football. When you think back, James, you think back, do you know who I blame for all this? I don't know. Dolphins? Wayne, Phil Collins? Wayne Bridge. <laughs> He's in the jungle. What? What do you mean he's in the jungle? Yes. Hang on. Wait. Explain why you blame Wayne Bridge, and I'll tell you about him being in a jungle. Well, if Wayne Bridge hadn't have scored that goal against us in the Champions Mm. League quarterfinal. Was quarterfinal, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was the Champions League quarterfinal. I believe that that Arsenal team would have gone on to win the Champions League that season. Instead, Porto won it. And from there, Jose Mourinho became just part of football. Had he not Mm. won that Champions League, I think he'd be just fucking scratching around somewhere now, sniffing his bum on a fucking beach somewhere. Um, So basically, I I blame Wayne Bridge for that. Well, if it's any consolation to you, Wayne Bridge is currently living in the jungle. But why? For a TV show, admittedly. Oh, okay. Oh, like, uh, he is, get me he out of here. He is a so. celebrity in the jungle, and we have to get him out of there or, 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 or not. Le- or just leave, leave him. him. Leave him. Leave him. Even after the program terminates, just leave him in the jungle. Yeah. <sighs> if you hate wasps and you think a giant wasp is the worst possible outcome of that, yeah. how do you feel about the Watford mascot, Harry the Hornet? Well, he's a hornet. He's not a wasp. Hornets are more evil than wasps, I think. Really? Yeah, there's a like, there's a video on YouTube of Japanese hornets. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but Japanese hornets are just uh, evil, right? So mm. they they send out like a hornet scout, and he goes and comes back and says, "Yeah, there is a there's a hive of bees over there. Let's go kill them." So like twenty hornets go in and massacre, massacre. A whole hive of, of bees. They just kill them for the fun, for the sport. That's pretty evil. That is pretty evil, actually. So um, I would be careful if I was uh, going to source. Although I did yeah. see this other one where some other types of bees, what they do is when the, the scout hornet comes in, they, they cover him, right? They, they completely uh, engulf this one uh, scout hornet and they start vibrating, and they essentially, uh, the, the, the vibrations create heat. And the honeybees can, can withstand heat to, let's say, 100 degrees. And the hornet, uh, he can't. He can only do like 96 degrees. So they cook the fucker. They basically cook him by, by no. engulfing him. Yes, it's amazing. It's amazing. So go bees, I say. But anyway, to wow, go back to the question, Jose Mourinho. The conclusion is D, Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho. Great. Yeah. What would I'd your choice be on that? 
Oh, yeah, Jesse Mourinho, yeah. All right. I was just checking. Oh, I was okay. just testing you. All right, okay, yeah. okay. Um, I think, oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, Richard Franklin tweeted to say, in capitals, play FIFA, you pricks. Then, oh, yeah. Then he deleted that and, re- and, uh, <laughs> and replaced it with, play FIFA, you pricks. Hashtag Arscast Extra. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Richard. We will. We will. Yeah, we will, we will, we will. Are you good at FIFA now? No, I'm really terrible. Really terrible. I was playing the other night and I, I get beaten all the time. Uh, I'm like in Division 10 playing online and it's the worst. This kid the other day, I'm sure he was a kid like 14, uh, he was playing with Barcelona and he was doing like flicks and tricks and rainbow flicks over my head. So I just quit. I was just like, fuck off. <laughs> I don't have time I for wish this. you could do that in real football. Yeah, just, just quit. Like, when yeah. you're playing Barcelona, just be like, oh, no. Nah, fuck it. Um, yeah. How's your individual career going, though? You were playing for Arsenal last time you told oh, me. Oh, yeah. Scoring, I, I got scoring a bit, goals as a number 10. Got a bit bored of that, so I stopped. And then just, <laughs> just busy with work, so I haven't really been able to play. Um, but we won the league. I won the league and stuff, and then it's just, uh, you know, I need a new Once game you've done now. that, it's difficult to yeah. make by yourself. I need a new game. Final question. This is from Bjorn Alm, who's at Alm N5. And he wants to know, what do you think? Mm. Now, I don't know if it's, what do you think? What (laughs) do you think? What do you think? Or what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know either. (laughs) What do you think? Well, what what do you think? What do I think? But I'm asking yeah. you, what do you what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Or what do you Thoughts. what do you think? Thoughts. They're terrible, aren't they? <laughs> Thoughts. I try and block them out as uh. much as I possibly can. I try not to think anything. I try to just go on pure in- animal instinct. It's, it's but, worked uh, out pretty well for you so far, it has to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh as we yeah, as I will come having to listen to this podcast, I don't think much, but mm. when I do think I guess I think... I think I think pictures. Do you? Yeah. More than words, I think I think pictures. Mm. There you go. That's good. Is is this philosophical now? What is this? I don't know if it's philosophical, but that's an interesting concept. What do you think? What do I think? It's hard to know. It's hard to know. I, you know, I write stuff down. Do you, like, I mean, as as somebody who works in comedy, do do you just sort of write down ideas yeah i have like notes on my phone sometimes. so do i I'm, i was looking i was looking at them um the other day should underwear be a human right <laughs> that was that was that that uh, was where, one of them yeah. where, where's another one here here's a note is he a big guy no he's just a fucking maniac what does that mean i've got no idea i don't sounds like a description of someone uh um, so what is this? What is the circumference of my arse? There's, there's another one. <laughs> um, can dogs be racist? Those are the things right. I think, and I write down, and I return to every now and again, and go, "What? Why? I, I don't know. I don't know." Yeah, it's it's scary, isn't it? They sort of become devoid of all more meaning. Mm. Um, That's what I think. Like, I'm looking now at my phone, and it says, <laughs> watching two sausage dogs fight. That's all it says. 
Um, uh, I, I mean, don't like dog fights, but two sausage dogs. Yeah. 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 Uh, what if aliens landed and they all looked like human babies? <laughs> That's <laughs> something I've been wondering about. Oh. Is that what Arrival's about? <laughs> uh, not quite, not quite. But, uh, yeah, the aliens are, are interesting looking, it has to be said. But, uh, yeah, those, that's what, those are the sort of things. Strange, weird ideas that get written down and then never acted on. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah, although if anyone reads the blog um, on a regular basis, they will know that from time to time... Um, I do let those thoughts spill out generally during an interlull. Um, I, I'm quite happy to, you know, let my brain splurge onto the blog page. And uh, and uh, it's, it's it sort of calms things down a bit for me. So I, every so often I can just go into the realms of surreal and what have you. And then, then my thoughts seem calmer. I don't know if that says mm. something about me or not, but there you go. Yeah. I think so. All right. I think so. Well, there are keen well, insights. Well, we made it. Yeah. yeah. We've probably given people more insight into our minds than we probably should have. Um, but That's what happens in the interlow. This is it. You just stray off the beaten path. Remember, you can get tickets to come see the Arsecast Extra Live on Thursday, November 24th at the Garage in Highbury and Islington. Myticket.co.uk. Uh, just search for Arsecast there. Get your tickets. Come along. Have a beer. It'll be great to see you. Uh, we'll be around afterwards for chats and, and free hugs. I think we should dispense free hugs as well. The world needs more hugs. So we'll, we'll do sure. that. Yeah. Why not? Why, Why not? not? Well, Why not? All right. As a one-off special, free hugs. Free hugs, indeed. All right, well, there'll be an Arsecast on Friday when we look ahead to the game against Manchester United, scary and all as it is. Keep your fingers crossed for Alexis um, mm. that his leg doesn't fall off, and we'll catch you on the next Arsecast Extra. Until then. Bye-bye. <laughs>